listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. It's the Fred Files Podcast, the Guitar Tech Podcast. My name is Eric Daw. I'm a longtime guitar builder and repairman, and today's co-host is Nat. Hello, Nat. Boy, am I glad to be here. Thank you for welcoming me. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as Mm -hmm. a professional luthier. This is true. You want to tell them what's on your bench lately? Sure. What's on what, your kitchen counter? What's uh well, what's on my kitchen counter is a roasted ash tea style body. It it's is very neat. nice, isn't it? It's neat as heck, and it's distinctive. That's why I, I made you tell me what's on there. Yeah, it's cool. It's like a really cool brown. You know, it's like very kind of very seventies. It's like actually seventies panel paneling instead of like. 60s paneling, very strong grain. Yeah. Kind of, do we call that horizontal running that way? Sure. I guess it depends on which way you hold it. Yeah. Uh, but it's roasted. So that's that's the natural color after you roast ash. It just turns that brown. The pecan kind of dark. Yeah. Pecan is a good name for it. But I guess the wood caramelizes, you know, like it's like the sugars turn yeah. the thing brown. Get a Maillard reaction. It's the, yes. torrefaction, they call it. Maillard reaction. Mm-hmm. Cross-linking some dang proteins and carbs or something. Boy, I tell you, when you sand that, it really smells sugary. Oh, does it? And, yeah. Sugary oh, and man. roasted, like a roasted marshmallow. You should do that just around Christmas time. <laughs> Christmas time. Just go around <laughs> the rooms and sand a little bit. Sand the, the roasted ash. The yeah, I've got it. Deal. I brought it in the house because I'm going to paint something cool on it. I don't uh, know. I don't know what yet. I wholeheartedly support this. Yeah, it'll be cool. Uh, in the shop, what's on my bench is, the, you know, it's, again, things come in groups. Mm-hmm. For Passels. some reason, it's yeah. Jaguar pickup re- it is. repair. Yeah, Jag vintage Fender Jaguar pickup rewinding. It's a pretty niche passel there. Yeah. <laughs> and like three of them from three different guys. Oh, yeah. You got to have three. So weird that that happens that way. What else is on my bench? I'm making a few custom guitars. Oh, those are good. And trying to work my way through a bunch of repairs. I have a neat old Gibson, uh, little small-bodied Gibson Oh, like acoustic. a junior kind of thing? Oh, no, acoustic. Like a, I can't remember the model. Like, like an LG B- one or B25 something. B25 yeah, or something. That needs a neck reset. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. We've been working on your crushed 
K. I know. Archtop guitar. I was loath to bring it up just in case it's, you know, the therapist said you weren't ready to talk about it because uh, it's been pretty ugly. It's pretty gnarly. Think yeah. you bought it on shopgoodwill.com, right? I did. What'd they do with it? And they just, they just like tossed it in a box with no packing. And, and with got, none at all. They also jumped on it repeatedly. Yeah. So we've been trying to repair that. And that's neat. That's been fun. We got a little pickup for it that's going to ex- install on the end of the fretboard there. Yeah. And uh, it's got inlays in the neck. So saving the top, it's got a great looking spruce top and inlays in the neck. And you've found a way to save that. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think we can make it work, man. I'm encouraged. Well, I tell you what, there are no um, calls. Oh, no. Which is fine. Was it something we said? Yeah, probably. Oh, dang it. But we do have uh, quite a few... um, Written dealies. Emails. Submissions. Yeah, emails to read. So why don't we do that? Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hey, Eric and Nat. Thanks so much for your thoughtful answers this in this week's episode to my questions about the nut on my 78 Les Paul. Of course you're correct. Like how this guy starts. I'll have an expert handle that. Wow, yeah. what was it again? I don't remember. Even what... with the joinery and yeah. fine woodworking experience. Oh, yeah. This is a specialized job that I shouldn't jump into on a 78 Les Paul for his first experience in doing mm-hmm. some um, gnarly stuff. No, oh, uh, numerator list. I have a follow-up question and another question about the plastics. I'll try to be brief. Oh, I appreciate the brevity. Yeah, when I say that, That's guess good. what happens? Get well, out. when you say it, it's one thing. <laughs> everyone when he says it, I believe it. I know, and everyone laughs, and we're we're all it's okay. You know, I think people sometimes get offended. People will call me, and I tend to get a little curt yeah, on you the ain't phone got time because for this. if I don't, then guys want to. St- spin this yarn about their whole backstory about they had a band in high school and their their brother had a les paul and then and they went to college and all this needless information all they need to say is can (laughs) can you fix xyz but they give me this huge backstory so i use i preface a lot of phone calls with yeah let's keep it brief but tell me what you need yeah, just and, tell me what's going and on. And then it puts people on edge, and they go, oh, uh, oh, yes, right, I'll get right to it, sir. Because they had a speech. <laughs> and I, and I, the other, last, the other day you were doing that, and I thought, you know, you really need to mention that on the air, because that's an important luthiation technique, is to say, hey, buddy, you know, I got one hand in the yeah. beeswax pot, and I got 75 other things going on, you're going to have to tell me what's up. Quit well, people want it. I don't know why, but they people unburden. will... Start telling me the story of how they got the guitar and yeah, what color it is and how they like it and that yeah. their do- it's their daughter's favorite guitar that they play. In and that case, we'll put this lacquer on it. Like, yeah. bro, yeah. get to the part where I fix your guitar. Yeah, what's broke? They also want you to guess. It's kind of the Karnak, the magician. Is that his name? They're like, guess what's broken on my guitar if I tell you yeah. for 58 minutes. Aye, aye, aye. Well, but here, that's not why I called. I'll try to be brief. Number one, I mentioned that the tuning stability is incredible on that guitar. Would you be concerned about the tuning being any less stable with a replacement nut? Hmm. Uh, I don't remember what... Okay. I, th- I think he has to cut a new nut, and there were various ways to do it. Yeah. 
I think that th- this guitar we were talking about needed a new nut. Mm-hmm. He's wondering if he putting should do it. a new nut on it is going to affect the tuning stability. Better not. It can. Oh no! If you do it improperly, okay, this good. is one of the main reasons why I said take it to a pro. Right. You want somebody who's made who's done a thousand bone nut installations, not one. Yeah. Like you. <laughs> and you did. I I think you also said, hey, it's going to be a hundred or hundred. Ten bucks or something, man! I tell you, and that's like you know that's what I would charge. There's shops around the country; they they're still like sixty bucks an hour. It depends on where you are and who you're going to, but shop rates tend to be between sixty bucks and a hundred and twenty bucks an hour. Wow! But that's that should be about an hour's worth of work to put a nut on a Les Paul, and if it's done right. It can only improve tuning stability. It should not uh, be a detriment. There you go. Great answer. Number two. I need to replace the plastics. The pick guard is cracked where the screw anchors it to the body, and the pickup rings are so distorted that the neck pickup won't sit flat. Is that impossible? Is there a third-party brand that you would recommend? The Gibson USA plastics seem ridiculously overpriced. $70 for pickup rings and a pick guard feels like highway robbery to me. By the way, I replaced the pickups with a pair of Kent Armstrong Vintage 57s from Amplified Parts. He just ran an ad on our show. There were six, they were $60 each and they sound phenomenal. Any idea why these are so inexpensive? I almost thought that they might be knockoffs since I don't see that model on the Kent Armstrong website. Thanks again, guys. Pete in Brooklyn, New York. Thanks, Pete. What were the questions? Replace the the plastics. Yeah, one of the enumerated deals. And then the unenumerated you can abstain from if you want. The plastics, uh, if you don't want to go with Gibson brand, you can try stuartmcdonald.com. You can try philadelphialuthiersupply.com. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. All parts, sells, all that kind of stuff. In my experience, um, sometimes the all parts stuff is a little bit off, like the fit is a little bit off. I, but all parts, all parts is great. I love all parts. I buy a lot of things from all parts. But uh, I would recommend Philly Luthier Supply or Stuart McDonald. For this particular instance. On the Kent Armstrong pickups, I'm pretty sure that Kent Armstrong, long time ago, uh, has some kind of deal where he has his name licensed on some Korean pickups. So I think what you bought is some overseas pickups that maybe they sound real good. You, You like them, but that would be why they're so cheap, because they're made, you know, in some kind of, uh, like a faraway land, like shoe factory, yeah, kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, that's good. I guess some kind of fifty-seven. No. <laughs> 50. uh, yeah, it's a high-tech computer-controlled thingy. Yeah, I'm sure. But thanks, Pete. They're great. Thanks for the update there. Hi, Eric and Nat. I have a problem with my acoustic guitar. That's a good beginning. Yeah, he got right to it. He got Gibson. right to it. L double lot style. L zero zero. You think we call that double up? I'm building. He's building or fixing. I've been working on this guitar at home in my spare time and have been working on it for months. Okay. 
I have Pow Ferrell back and sides. I radius that back bracing and the sides with a radius dish. Okay. All right. I now closed the box and I noticed that the back has warped a bit. The okay. back is mostly flat now and a small area on the lower bout has even cupped a bit. It has been very hot here and we use the Airco quite a bit. Is this guy from out of town? Is that, yeah. is yeah. that it's Yoast, man. That's from, short for air conditioning. Yeah. Airco? Yeah. Do yeah. they call it Airco in uh, They do in the Netherlands. All right. Yeah. They probably don't run it too much because they got, you know, it's all underwater, the whole place. I don't know. Yeah, they got dikes and weirs and stuff. Oh, we kay. got those here. Yeah. Well, occasionally, yeah. Uh, so he's had some warp in the deal. Could it be that the wood dried out too much? Probably. I placed a humidifier inside the guitar, hoping it would help. So maybe that's a store-bought mm-hmm. kind of uh, humidification system. Do you have any tips on how to fix this? Or do I have a very fancy paperweight now? Oh, shoot, don't say that. Thanks for any insights you can give and for the fantastic show. I always look forward to the next one. All the best, Yoast in the Netherlands. Right on. I like it. Sounds like a fun project. He's making a Gibson L00 style I know. acoustic guitar. From scratch. Pow Faro back and sides. He radiused the back. He, so like scalloped bracing. bracing. Is that what? And the sides with a radius dish. I'm having a hard time following what's going on in this question, to be, I, to I, be perfectly honest I with you. I think he's a little bit conf- concerned that he scalloped the braces too much on the back and it let it warp as it was settling. And the back has warped a bit. The back is mostly flat now. And a small area on the lower bout has even cupped a bit. So he's had some warping either w- both ways with this Pau back. And he suspects, I, or he hints, that maybe the back bracing was too thin or allowed this or invited the wrath of God on this one here because, I don't know, shouldn't have been I just don't know. Things. I honestly don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he would have dried out the wood that much with the airco. Would he? I no, I wouldn't like think crazy? so. Yeah, uh, I just don't know that. For here's okay. Let me back way up. For one thing, my experience with acoustic guitars is as a repairman. I don't build acoustic guitars, not new ones. Huh? So, uh, I build electric guitars. But I don't build acoustic guitars. Now, repairing acoustic guitars, I've done a zillion. I've got plenty of experience. I don't know. I I guess I'd have to see. <laughs> I'm having. I'm just having a hard time picturing what's going on because it's. I guess it's just warped. And it's, it's warped all over yeah. a bit, and I don't know. So I guess maybe the. The back had quite settled. I don't know. Perhaps the wood wasn't cured properly. Maybe it had too much moisture in it. I don't know. Dang it! I just don't know. Um, Without seeing it and without more information, I'm probably the and I'm probably the wrong guy to ask because I don't build acoustic guitars. But he doesn't have a fancy paperweight as long as he can get the. Um, other parts aligned, right? The top, because the back is kind of 
Shoot. You can make it out of paper mache, whatever you want. Old newspapers. Did he, so he closed the box. So it's. Yeah, he did. Okay. And that's when he started to notice it. Okay. I mean, I mean, the worst case you got here is, I'm thinking, is you can pull the back off again and try to straighten it out or radius it how you want sure. it and brace it give it and shot. give it another shot. I would think you should be able to do that. You don't have a paperweight. Give it another shot. You can do it. Yeah, and especially, you know, it's like how when I worked in a restaurant, we did this thing called the Philly Flip, and that's where you put the burnt side of the steak or pancake or whatever down. So you got <laughs> your warp, warp part of that. Hold that towards your body. <laughs> That's good advice. I'm trying to help. Good advice from Nat. <laughs> okay. All right. That, d- that does not reflect the official beliefs of this program. We'll move on. Thanks, Yost. Hi, Eric. A puzzler for you and all the listeners. Oh, oh, man. Car talk. It was good. Great. I know full well you're not a fan of the broadcaster blend circuit. Eh. I mean, that's true, huh? All right. But I personally feel it's very useful for playing live. Although, like most players, I find the forward position muffled and pretty much unusable. Well, that's why I don't like it. So it's useful, but one thing is unusable. So he agrees with me yeah. and until he doesn't. Yeah. Well, okay. He still, it sounds like he roots forward as a, some kind of sentimental favorite. All right. And agrees that it's not great. Is there a way of using that position to have both pickups in series Oh. As would be the case with the forward position of a four-way tele-switching set, setup, sorry, giving the faux humbucker tone. Hmm. I've got one of those. This would give you, in position one, bridge with the option of blending in the neck parallel. Is that with a knob? You can blend it in? I'm having a hard time. See, I'm following along. You're, this is worse than you're if reading. you were reading all your All your I'm asides throw me off. They take Kay. you aside? I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this would give you, in position one, bridge with the option of blending in the neck, parallel. Position two, neck only. Position three, bridge and neck in series. Okay, like humbuckery. My apologies. I am yet to purchase your solid sound book, and please re- disregard this email if it is one of your secret wiring circuits, but I doubt that. That was generous of him. Hope you're well and happy. Take care. Yeah, I see who that is. Andy, the lonely guy at Wick Street Guitars, Nash Villiquin. You see that? Daniloquin, Australia. Yeah. It must be the cool part of Australia. Down under. Yeah. Well, okay. First of all, <laughs> first of all, uh, Andy has not purchased my book now. Oh, no. I don't want to make a federal case out of this. You're going to eviscerate him. But. Hurry, buy it, Andy. One of the cool things about the book is, in the back of the book, there are blank schematics for you to do your own experimentations. Man, that'd be helpful. Yes. And here's what I think. Here's what I think you should do, Andy. And In fact, I emailed Andy a blank uh PDF, you know, oh, JPEG you? or something. Yeah. Over the electronic so mail. It has like it's a blank diagram for telecaster wiring. Like so a, a layout. So thingy. the pots, yeah. The pots are there, the switch is there, the pickups are there. There's no wires drawn in. So you can go and start mapping out where wires will go. Yeah. And make your own schematic. Now, if you were to take the two schematics that you referenced 
the blood the broadcaster blend schematic and the other one uh the one where you get where you get a series setting i would think that if you are reasonably uh you know adept at wiring guitars you would be able to take a look at those two schematics take the parts you like from each one yeah and make one schematic to rule them all and it would yeah. be it would be andy's special blend circuit yeah. wiring his broadcaster blender. You'd be famous. Yeah. So I told him, I t- here's what I told Andy. I, I sent him the blank, and I said, Andy, if you can successfully map this out, email it back to me, and I'll send you a free book. Hey. How about that, huh? Way to reach out. Pretty good deal. Yeah. He emailed back and said he probably won't. <laughs> he did. Or something. I don't remember oh, what he said. Oh, my ex sakes. I don't remember oh, what he said. Oh, that's awesome. I get a lot of email. Come on, Andy. You'd be the toast so, of Nashvilleiquin. I submit it to you, dear listener. Yeah. Anyone who can come up with a schematic that does what Andy has described, I will send you a free copy of the book. Okay. That's so that would, be, that would be a broadcaster blend wiring where oh. all the way forward is series so you'd have this is what the schematic would do you'd have all the, you know in position 1 you'd have bridge with the option of blending in the neck okay position 2 neck only position 3 all the way forward towards the neck pickup bridge and neck in series huh we're not doing position 4 that's correct. Okay. This is going to be using a three-position switch. So right. if anybody can map that out, I'll give you a hint. You're going to need to do a ground lift on the neck pickup uh, on the cover and add an extra ground wire to the cover to do that. But Interrupt it with a switch. Yeah. Huh? Anybody who can map that out successfully, I will send you a free copy of the book. And if you already have a book and you don't want one, you don't want another one, how about this uh, free Fret Files t-shirt? Whoa. How about that? That's a dang good puzzler, and I think the stakes are enticing. Sure. This is great. Well, I'm glad he sent that letter. Yeah, and if someone maps it out successfully, I will forward it to Andy, who will then probably wire his guitar that way and be forever happy. He will be. He'll be utterly compelled at that point. It will solve every problem in his life. It'll be great. That is kind of fun. Well, how neat. And it would have been a lot easier just to describe that if we had one of those blanks sitting around, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. That's how nice those are. All right. Thanks, Andy. Hi. Thanks, Eric, for taking this question. You're welcome. Okay. I paused for response. I have an American Pro 2 Fender Strat. You were right. We were talking about drum heads sounding like... Anyway. With V-Mod single coil pickups. The issue is that after changing string gauges from 10s to 9s, the D string plays substantially lower in volume. Hmm. Muted somehow, more muted somehow than adjacent strings. Hmm. The A and low E sometimes sound a tad lower in volume in comparison to the non-wound strings, but it is really the D string that cannot be heard. Wow. Okay. The G string is absurdly loud. But I understand the history why. So he's has accepted his fate and the physics on that. The muted D string is particularly more pronounced. Yeah. When in the switch 
positions four and five, farthest towards the fretboard. Uh, oh, when in those positions, four and five farthest towards the fretboard. So based on the wiring, the neck pickup seems more sensitive to this issue. Of course, it also has Alnico two and three pole pieces, whereas the mid and bridge pickups are Alnico four and five. Perhaps it's just weaker anyway. Okay. There's a lot I'm of information gonna, in here. I know. I'm going to have to underline. Maybe it's weaker because of the Alnico deals. Um, when switched to just the mid and bridge pickups, there's no noticeable change in tone or volume of that D string. Okay. So it's just the neck pickup. Uh-huh. He has a quiet... Let me sub, <laughs> let yeah, me sum cut. up the last three paragraphs. Yeah. The D string is quiet when he uses his neck pickup. Right? Yes. Okay. I'll accept that. Moving on. Okay. Well, I bet you got a, a clue. This is Angela Lansbury stuff. Yeah. I tested the pickups with a voltmeter and the ohms. Readings are in conformance with the specs. Okay. I also checked to see if a neck or saddle or fret issue. All right. Neck and frets are ruled out because the issue presents regardless of where a note is played on the string. Saddle looks just fine. It has been suggested to me by a Fender certified repair guy in town that some of the pole pieces have been demagnetized, like only one on the D string. I don't have a Gauss meter, but never has a soldering iron come, soldering iron come near this guitar, and my amp's transformer ain't that big. So I can't imagine how this happened. Hmm. Yeah, you'd have to have like a tape head demagnetizer just on the one. I am desperately trying to avoid buying new pickups or a costly repair. Any advice would be welcome. Oh, here we go. I am using normal Ernie Bar or Ernie Ball nines, no weird flats or windings. Okay. I can send specs on the pickups and wiring if you want. Hmm. That's Carmen in Miami in Florida. All righty, Carmen. Well, I I tend to agree with the Fender certified tech you spoke with. It sounds to me like you have a demagnetized no way pole piece on your neck pickup. That's what it sounds like. What now, about the Alnico differences? Well, um, I don't think that it's I don't think it's a factor here uh, huh. because um, when he uses his bridge pickup or his middle pickup. Yeah, when she, he or she, he or I she, don't know. Yeah. Carmen could be a it could a, be a man. A man yeah, it's a wonderful name. However, you do it. Uh, so, when you use the bridge pickup or the middle pickup, the problem isn't there. Mm-hmm. It's only when you use the neck pickup. It's isolated there, and uh, that to me tells it tells me that you've got a weak pole piece there. For some reason, it's demagnetized. There's numerous reasons that could happen if it gets if it got hit with a you know screwdriver tip or something huh I worked on a guy's guitar recently who um flies helicopters occasionally. He threw his gig bag in the back of the helicopter and then went home and plugged it in, and one pickup didn't work anymore and no he's like, way. "What the heck yeah, well, the pole pieces got demagnetized because there's some giant thing magneto some, some magneto in the back of the Whirling helicopter around. that zapped his pickups oh so my gosh. i don't know why did it demagnetize i don't know why just the one but that's what piece. it sounds like to me now if you want to do some troubleshooting 
here's one thing I would recommend. If you've only experienced this with one, through the course of one string change, change the strings again, just to eliminate. Okay. Just to eliminate that right. factor. It it doesn't sound to me like it's going to change anything because you only hear the problem on one the pickup. Pickup. Yeah. So, to me, that tells me you've got a problem with that pickup. Just that one pull piece. If you want to do further troubleshooting, get a compass and uh, point it towards each pull piece on that neck pickup and see what it does. See how it deflects. See how it works. You should have the pull pieces should be magnetically strong and should really suck that needle straight to the pull piece, right? Mm-hmm. North or south, depending on which polarity the magnet is. And if you've got one weak pole piece or one that's been demagnetized, then you'll have five pole pieces that are making the Similar. needle stand up straight. Yeah. And then you'll have one pole piece where it's kind of wishy-washy and not, and, you know, you could get a north or south reading on it. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised. This is, here's the good news. This can be fixed. That's great. Pretty easily by anybody who winds pickups or repairs pickups. You could send it to me if you want, but you're in Miami. I bet you could find somebody locally there who charges pickups uh, magnetically. All that needs to happen here is that pickup needs to be taken out, recharged, the magnets recharged, and to do that, really, you just you just run it through. I have two giant magnets that I run it. I run the pickup through and it charges the pull pieces. Some people do it with an electromagnet. Uh, but that's all that needs to happen. That pickup has to come out, the pull pieces recharged, and then you put it back in and you're good to go. Why did it why did this happen? We don't know. Sometimes it's best not to ask why. Yeah, there it, you go. J- just fix it. Yeah. Good idea. Who cares why? Fix it. And then we never have to think about it again. Yeah. Well, we can just be on guard the rest of our lives, I guess. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more. After these messages, we'll be right back. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs, and they handle the rest. Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription. And shipping included if you're in the USA. Great coffee every morning. Just cut a little bit easier. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. And if you go there and use my promo code, you get an additional 10% off. That's pinup, P-I-N-U-P. That's at apexcoffeeroasters.com. You know playersgearmusic.com is the go-to place for neck heating irons or neck presses. We've been telling you about that for a long time. But you should really check out his effects pedals. Go to playersgearmusic.com. Rick over there makes custom guitar pedals, and he makes all kinds. They're so unique. Check them out. Uh, Distortion pedals, boosts, fuzz pedals. 
and sometimes they're in really unique um, containers. Sometimes they're uh, painted wild. you got to check it out, playersgearmusic.com. While you're there, look up the neck heating irons that he sells. It's the only place on earth that I'm aware of you can still buy one, and it's essential. It's essential in my shop. I use mine all the time. Playersgearmusic.com. Check it out. Hello, Eric. Hello, Nat. Oh, I see. You're yeah. reading a question. Yeah, that too. I was wondering if you've ever heard of the Payola Telecaster. Oh, I have. Have you really? This, yeah. Is the mob involved? No. It is a telly that's well, been maybe. modified. Yeah, could be. To have three pickups and three outputs. Three outputs. I'll be doggone. The story behind it is that session musicians in the early 50s created this thing so they could get three times the pay from whatever union they're working for. Yep, mob. Running the guitar through three separate amps while the engineer uses three separate mics for three separate usable tracks. I think it's bogus for two reasons. Why would a musician be paid three times for one performance? Union rules, man. I'm sure the musicians were paid hourly just like any other service. They... They are today, at least. Uh, they got rules. I don't know. Hard to say. The second problem I have with this story is that re- recording technology in the 50s was pretty limited, often using one mic to capture multiple instruments at once. Okay. Why would any engineer agree to waste any unnecessary track space on a guitar player wanting to rig the system, to game the system? Yep. It just doesn't make sense to me. What are your thoughts on this? Have you ever come across one of these? Is this story true? You're going to have to decide once for all for the whole world. Or is the real scheme here just sellers cashing in on apocryphal lore to to upscale a ridiculously modified telly? Mm, thanks for the podcast, and I love your book. Oh, yeah. Josiah in Shreveport, L.A. You hear that? Louisiana. All the way down there in Deniloquin? Yeah. He loves the book. <laughs> oh man. Man. This I've never heard of this. This is this is kind of fun though. Uh, Josiah, thank you. Yep. He's in Shreveport, Louisiana. I wonder what it's like there tonight. I'm gonna pull up a picture of this just to show you because it's so crazy. The first time I saw one, and I I think there's more than one this is actually this is actually so, something it was a thing like some somebody made it became a, a thing yeah, yeah a few of these uh and had a good and i think he nailed it here or is the real scheme here just sellers cashing in on apocryphal lore to upsell yeah. a ridiculously modified telly yeah well said the first time i All saw for one cats and dogs it's got I know. control plates forever yeah. the first time oh, i saw one on. i thought somebody <laughs> Went into Photoshop. Yeah, it's a Photoshop. Somebody yeah. went into Photoshop and made a joke, right? Telly, like, you know, and then they put it on Reverb dot com for seventy five thousand right. dollars. Like, what heavens? What kind of? It, is it April first? Yeah, this is ridiculous. This guy's right. It's not a joke. I guess this was a thing, and there was a handful of them at least, and supposedly Bruce Springsteen's Telly was set up like this at one point. Oh, now, shoot. I don't know how it got 
you know, unset up like this, because it must have some filled routes because this guitar, I'm looking at it, it has, the, you know, the tele control plate. Yeah. Well, the, the handsome thing. The Payola Telecaster has three control plates. Yeah. Three dang control plates. Arranged like a square horseshoe around the around other the, ashtray thing. Around the bridge. So, yeah. first of all, it looks horrible. And why wouldn't they just have three in a line, or why do they need all the control plates? And then if you saw the edge, there's three jack cups. All right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know where these came from, where they started, why, who did them. I don't think anybody does. I don't, I've never seen a definitive, like, you know, here's where, <laughs> here's where these, um, you know, oh, were man. modified. There are multiple pictures right. on the internet. Yeah. Which is persuasive, but shouldn't be. Yeah. Wow. I can tell you for sure, here's one thing I can tell you, is that I do not think that they left the factory this way from Fender. Surely Heck these were no. these were modified by somebody for some reason, and I don't know why. I suppose it's possible that uh, it's some kind of payola thing where you where you plugged into three amps and got three times the pay scale. But that sounds. I yeah. I'm agreeing with the 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 author of the email here, Josiah in Shreveport, Louisiana, Mm -hmm. saying, "Mm, this sounds like BS. And remember one of his contentions is, hey, I don't think they'd be wasting tracks on this in the 50s. And yeah, and having three separate mics and separate amps, no, come on. Yeah. No. So uh, according to this article that I'm reading here on uh, guitarworld.com, wouldn't lie to you, would it? Yeah. It said, this was used by early session musicians and championed by players such as Bruce Springsteen. These heavily modded models were originally devised for two reasons, economy and output. Uh... The Fender <laughs> the Fender Payola guitars, which flashed arguably one of the wildest guitar mods of the era and beyond, they were less worried about tone and playability and more concerned with output and economics. They were devised to allow one guitar to record through three or four amps at once. You could do that anyway. Yeah. I think... You don't need three different amps. I I don't know. I'll tell you what. I think they're ugly. (laughs) Yeah, it's wrong. (laughs) I think that they're not worth what um, the people who've been trying to sell them think they're worth. And I think they're uh, they're just a very, very early example of mods gone wrong. Yeah. Modifications gone wrong. You know, you think about crazily modded tellies and you think about, like, maybe the 70s, right? Okay. Well, I guess it started way before that with this. These supposedly date back to the 50s, and uh, Hmm. I don't don't know why, and I don't know. I don't have the full story. I don't know who did it, how many of them there are, or why. But there they are. There's a few of them. All right. It's a strange deal. Thanks, Josiah. Kind of a fun one. Hey, Eric, I have a 1975 Gibson J45 Deluxe, the version with the square shoulders. 
double X bracing, tortoise shell binding, long scale neck, sunburst that really doesn't burst but more like a black outline around the edges. Basically, nothing in common with a traditional J45 <laughs> except the name on the sticker in the sound hole. Hmm. Despite what the internet says, there's a lesson in there, isn't there? I actually love how this guitar plays and sounds. Oh, good. This guitar has the coolest overtones and a really rich, unique tone, even if the workmanship is a little questionable, even by Gibson standards. Oh, no. Oh, no. Anyway, my question is about the binding on this guitar. Over the past few years, the tortoise shell binding has started to turn a yellow and green color and developed thousands of cracks. And it looks like it is days away from flaking off or falling apart. However, the strange thing is that this is only happening on the binding on the back of the guitar. Hmm. The binding on the top is still fine. There are two variables that have changed since the binding started to go downhill. One is that I started storing the, the guitar in its case. I used to store the guitar on a guitar stand for decades, but decided to keep it in a case the last many years as my little kids started to grab and reach for the guitars on the guitar stand. Could the fabric in the case or something else with the case be destroying the binding just on the bottom where it is in more contact with the case fabric? Wow. The other variable that changed was that I moved to Connecticut before I started noticing a change in the binding. Could moving from the south to New England cause the binding to start falling apart? Could it just be a different batch of binding or glue on the top binding versus the back binding? Or perhaps is the top binding destined to fail at a later date? I'd love to know if you have any idea why only part of the binding is failing. Mm. FYI, I did take some of the thinnest CA glue that I could find and with a syringe, carefully let it run into the binding. It seems to have stopped the deterioration. And fortunately, no pieces of binding have come loose or flaked off yet. Mm. Thanks. Blake in Connecticut. Hmm. Wow. Cool. Thanks, Blake. We've got some big questions. I, uh, well, <clears throat> how can anyone really know, you know? No. All we can do is guess why yep. something like this is happening. Yeah, why me? Right. Yeah, it's, a, it's an existential question. It is. It really is. <laughs> People are just reaching hands, hands outstretched. Why yeah. me? Why the fuck? Uh, I think that it, is due to keeping it in the case. He says that that's when it started, but, but not contact. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know. I'm guessing, I mean, it's all chemical, right? And what happens is that uh the old binding sometimes it's like nitrate or something, yeah. you know. And it'll start to break down and it'll start to get plastic rot it'll start to rot and crack it'll off gas yeah and so something is off gassing maybe in the case that's affecting the binding okay and it just hasn't got to the binding on the top yet i guess i don't know wow i don't know these, these it's conjecture 
admittedly, I don't know if, I mean, it could be two, <clears throat> it could be um, two different batches of binding. Like maybe the, when they made the binding, the recipe was a little bit different. Yeah. Right. Like- Tuesday afternoon versus Friday afternoon or something. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there could be any number of reasons why the back binding is rotting and the top binding is not. But yeah. I will tell you that it's not uncommon. I see that a lot. Huh. Where the binding is rotting really badly, but only in one area of the guitar, or only the neck is doing it, or only the top is doing it, or only the back is doing it. It may be that in some way a little process starts and then it accelerates where it has contact. Yeah. So it spreads through actual contact. Yeah. Wow. Uh, But, you know, there's once it rots like that, there's not much you can do other than what you mentioned already, which is kind of, you know, you can, you can, uh, seep super glue in there and just preserve what's there but uh you know eventually if you want it to look nice again it'll have to be rebound yeah well that's and i've seen those guitars they have cool they have tortoise shell binding which yeah. i love i love tortoise shell binding i do too it's so I think cool it's great yeah thanks blake i don't think we solved anything there but i appreciate well, you writing in and I just hope he felt heard. You did. You, I, you had to have felt heard. There you go. By tens of yeah. guitar-loving people. Yeah, across the airwaves. By yeah, scores. Good day, mate. Good day to you, good sir. It's Brett from Australia here, and I was wondering if you could help me with my problem. Sure. He's more direct. I'm trying to install 58 pickups on my Les Paul. But there's only room for two. <laughs> nice. <laughs> very, very Have good. a good day, mate. Love the show. Regards, Brett. There and you go. And with that. Oh, that's wonderful. That does it for this episode of the Fret Files podcast. It's dang good. Thank you so much for writing in. If you want to participate in the show. And if you, you wanna, should. Yeah, and you should. Or how about this? If you want to buy my book, and you should. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I let you hanging on that one. Go to solidsoundbook.com if you want to participate in the show. And really, you should. You really, you really, should, really should. should. You it's should, fun. Really should. It's fun. We won't roast you that bad. No. Uh, go to my website, ericdaw.com. Click the contact link and submit your question or comment there, and we'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text. 757-774-8482. That number, once again, while you grab a pen, is 757-774-8482. Like you couldn't just click the 10 seconds back button. Do they have those? Yeah, they do. On, on all the AM radios have they do, stock yeah. now. All righty. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.